Welcome to The Pulse on Akaville Radio, hosted by Rachel Schoenbaum. Hello, everyone, and on this week's episode of The Pulse, we're here with Grammy Award-winning engineer Bill Hare. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am great. So we want to talk to you about a couple of things today, and... The first is all of your work in Europe. You've really done a lot with the European acapella groups that I think most people here in the United States haven't heard of. So tell us a little bit about that. Great. Uh, I started working in Europe in 2003, actually, after I finished the House Jacks Unbroken album. They were doing a lot of touring in Europe, and uh, a lot of the groups there were hearing that album and being very influenced by it and kind of wondering how to get that sound. And so Deke had recommended me to uh, another group he was working with called Basics in Denmark. And uh, from there, I mixed the Basics album and then uh, more groups from Scandinavia and Germany and and uh, and those countries started coming to me. And, and you know, quickly it, it spread to Asia and, and I do a lot of things in Africa, but uh, a lot in Europe. I, I really kind of consider myself more part of the European acapella scene now than the American scene, even though I show up at all the festivals and I have a lot of friends here. I really have a, a very close tie to people in you know, these 20 different uh, European countries that always show up at uh, these festivals and it's kind of a nice international family. And uh, yeah, so, and, and I found out that there are groups that are as known as pentatonics are here and have been for decades. It's a group called the Wise Guys in Germany that was formed in 1994 who basically became a national treasure in the German-speaking countries. And we don't hear about them just basically because they speak in German. We don't understand the songs. And so so they're kind of off our radar. But you go to a concert there, and there are thousands of people at every show. I mean, there are sometimes they, they've, I've seen them in front of a crowd of 65,000 people. Uh, all these people singing along with their original songs. I mean, that's pretty big. And every record that they've made since the 90s has been a gold record, at least. And they have a fan magazine with a you know distribution of about 100,000 copies goes out every month. And uh, they're, they're, they're now defunct out, you know, since the last about two years ago. But during their run, I mean, they were really huge. And uh, they were an acapella group, but completely off our radar. And getting into that sort of market... For me, it was really cool because I could, I do things now in dozens of languages, uh, styles that I wouldn't have worked with before. And again, amazing commercial success. I, I'm working with a group in Turkey and I didn't know much about them. And they released, you know, a video of the song I mixed. And, you know, I look at the video and after a few days, there's like five million hits. And it's like, oh, okay, that, you know, I guess they're known. You know, I, I don't really know what goes on, you know, with some of these groups. So. It's It's been really uh, an interesting run. And I also get to go out to all these places a lot of the time to, uh, you know, just experience these different festivals and, and again, many, many friends. Just on the Casa Festival circuit, we are kind of fascinated by European groups. They come and, you know, the real group and Rioton and Cluster and all of these groups have come. What would you say we have to learn from the European groups? Because they definitely have something special about it. But what do you think that is that American groups could learn from? To be honest, I think it's because a lot of them have been musically trained from the time they were children. 
we kind of start out from this collegiate acapella world where people come in and you see it as this extracurricular activity. And a lot of the times people haven't had any experience as a performer or as a singer. It's their first time doing something. And so you're starting when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you're starting in this very, I call it kind of clear channel sort of thing where everybody's doing pretty much the same thing. Everybody just watches each other and uh, just tries to one up each other, you know, doing the exact same thing. And in Europe, there's also in arts in general in Europe, you can do fine arts, you can do you can do weird things and they'll still throw money at you to be able to support the uh, evolution of the fine arts. Here in America, it's like, you know, what can you sell? What makes good TV? What is, uh, you know, what is the flavor of the month? It's kind of the American way in a way. And, uh, you know, Europe is uh, uh, a lot more conducive to nurturing true art. And it, it means that there's people who, like I said, have been have been working on a very high level musically since they were seven or eight years old. Uh, in, in England, uh, most of the people you see in these groups, such as the Swingles or other things, they, they were parts of the, the choristers of, of, you know, St. Paul's and Westminster Abbey and then went to, you know, these prestigious musical schools, etc. We don't really have that here. We have like you know, Berkeley School of Music, and we have a few colleges that have uh, good music programs, but um, they're not always as innovative as the European ones. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of just kind of looking ahead, still using you know classical structure and training, but moving into the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd century and beyond, uh, where we always kind of stay, you know. What was the last classic thing to happen? Let's redo that, you know? So let's have another 80s revival and then we'll have another 90s revival or whatever, you know? Um, we, we kind of go in circles that way. So you are getting ready to retire soon. So thank you for training everyone in your wake so that we can uphold all of your good work. But looking back over your career, what do you feel like are some of your biggest accomplishments or contributions to acapella? People will tell you what they are, but what do you feel like they are? I think my first contributions were strictly accidental. They were just coming from a point of being bored. I was working in so many different styles of music as a recording studio, which used to be a real thing before anybody had computers and multi-track recording in their own houses. Back in the 70s and 80s, uh, especially the earlier 80s, uh, there wasn't much of a choice to make a recording no matter what you were doing, even if it was a guide map for a museum or if it was a acapella song or it was a uh, a rock band, you couldn't do this on your own. So you had to go into this thing called a phone book and look in the pages that were yellow in the second half of the phone book and that would have the businesses and you'd look under R for recording studios and... Uh, we had a studio called Astral Sounds, which uh, started with an A, which was nice because we'd be one of the first people they'd catch in the phone book. But even at that time, usually even a big city would only have uh, five or six recording studios anyway. So 
it was expensive to get started and everybody would call you in every style. So I was, I do an opera session right into some punk rock band and then a whole bunch of horn players would come in and we'd do some big band thing and, and then a string quartet and, and on and on and on, uh, a commercial for tires, whatever. And alongside that, a group from Stanford University came in called the Mendicants and they had this thing called collegiate acapella which i was completely unfamiliar with and i just saw them as a glee club but all of a sudden they're singing pop songs that were popular at that time and in the 1980s so they're doing duran duran they're doing the police they're doing groups like this and they're singing them in a glee club sort of format they didn't do vocal percussion nobody had really thought of that yet it seems really obvious looking back on it that there should have been something that took that place but instead they just did finger snaps and to me it was just a really terrible Muzak sort of thing done to, you know, the good music that was happening out there. So, and, and, and as an instrumentalist myself and, and, and recording rock bands all the time, to me, I just really looked down on it. I'm sorry for that now, but that's how it was. I tried to help them out after I did a, a few albums with these groups at Stanford. They just kept coming back and I just kind of realized I was kind of stuck with this, figured that maybe there was something else that could be done with it and uh, with some very cooperative groups that really were willing to be guinea pigs. We came up with a lot of different techniques, one of which just not recording them like a glee club. Usually we, we would think in a choral sort of state of mind where we just put a couple microphones up and record the natural environment of a choir. A bunch of voices just... Uh, you know, mixing themselves in a room. And uh, I kind of figured, well, if it was really a rock band, each instrument would have microphones close up to them. And then we would EQ them all differently. The bass would have more low end to it. The lead vocalist would have a different sort of, you know, a delay, which I couldn't put on live because it would just mess up everything else. So I just started trying to record them individually and uh, and that really changed the sound for a lot of other reasons it's uh, you know, the proximity effect of a microphone and a bunch of people singing in a boxy room sound one way but bringing them all right up in a pop sort of sound where every voice is two inches from your ear creates a whole new texture and it was pretty exciting from the first moment that I had 16 voices on 16 mics compared to 16 voices into two mics. And uh, I think that was a big contribution at first um, because that completely changed what I had to work with. At that point, uh, each time I did an album, I'd get more bold with what sort of effects I'd put onto it, a lot less worried about what would people think because this is quote-unquote acapella. And it was just, you know, it was, it, and it was a very slow a slow transition to what we have now. A lot of people think it was kind of this immediate thing. You know, I get a lot of people who ask me about, you know, oh, you know, I've been working on this for two years. How come I can't get the sound yet? And I just tell people, you haven't heard the first 15 years of my work. I mean, there was not much happening. It was a very slow progression to get uh, to get to this point. But by the um, early 90s, all of a sudden, you know, I was starting to get a bit more recognition. I got a, got a, a CARA award from this very new organization in Boston called CASA, started by Deke Sharon. And 
this guy Deke had sent me a letter saying, wow, I, we heard this album and it's like the best thing we've ever heard. And, and they gave me an award for best engineering on an acapella album. And I just thought that was really cool. More than anything else, that someone in Boston had heard something I did. It was a different world before the internet. So that was, uh, I think that was kind of the big start. From there on out, I mean, yeah, I've, I, it just grew into uh, this worldwide thing. And there were lots of high points and lots of just kind of spinning the wheels. But um, yeah, as far as any one thing, I really can't think of. Yeah, usually other people have to tell me that one. They'll tell me, oh, I love this album. And I have to kind of sometimes struggle. Like, what album is that? What is on there? I, I don't really remember that or whatever, you know. I mean, I have my favorites. But uh, yeah. So what are your favorite albums that you've worked on? I was very happy with... A, a lot of them are the ones that Deke and I have produced together. Because I think we're a pretty good team with that. The House Jacks uh, Unbroken album like I said, was, I think, a good milestone, which led to the Beelzebub's Code Red, which was a lot of, you know, their work that was actually Deke and, and Ed Boyer and and uh, some of the other Beelzebub's at that time kind of getting creative in a studio in Boston. And then and then I got to finish all that up and, and take it a step further. And I got a lot of, not only credit, but a lot of flack for that as well, because that was the starting of, oh, now you guys are, are destroying acapella. And I was actually loving that. I thought that was really a cool thing. You know, you gotta bust things up to, to make them new. So, uh, that in, into, you know, the, the next couple of Beelzebub's albums, I got to work on the sing off. For a while and that was you know there were new things coming out of there um and uh the street corner symphony album in particular is one that deke and i worked on together uh as well as the uh nota albums those were pretty high points for me as well there's there's other things that you know people like to talk about pentatonics and and to be honest much as i love them i don't really i don't really feel that's my that that you know it, it usually comes up as one of the very first groups just because they're famous when people talk about what i do what i do with pentatonics is actually very little i i have mixed a couple songs but mostly i do the mastering that's mostly ed's work and the main thing about it is that they're very good and they've become very famous, but, uh, there are a lot of other things that I do that, uh, that I would prefer to listen to myself, et cetera, you know, and, and there are a lot of things that I'm doing in other languages, you know, groups like Maybe Bop in Germany. I work with, uh, Mike Capella. Uh, I work with, uh, groups in Taiwan and, and a lot in Africa these days. And I'm loving that sort of stuff, but uh, it mostly wouldn't get heard here. So, you know, to me, that's, I've kind of, I've kind of left behind the, you know, popular American sort of stuff, you know, especially the collegiate market, which I've kind of felt has, for the most part, a whole lot of sameness. And then every once in a while, there's, uh, you know, one or two groups that do something exciting every year and, and try to do something new, you know, and then there's some who just try to do something new and it's a little gratuitous and it's like, you know, but they're exploring, you know, and that's, that's good. You have to fail sometimes when you do that as well. But I'm actually most excited right now about in America about high school acapella because all of a sudden we're getting some discipline. And I think that's probably been the problem with American acapella is that it's not very disciplined, which can be good. I mean, the Beatles weren't very disciplined either, but they worked hard, you know, and they, 
and they were very talented and created a lot of things. I feel that the uh, high school acapella people are, by virtue of being a class and having to be there and being led by an adult, that they're getting a bit more discipline. And, and I'm hoping that's going to filter up into the collegiate stuff, you know. So, but yeah, we, we see a lot of, you know, really, really good high school groups these days. And uh, I don't, work with them usually they're usually you know it's a different budget etc but uh yeah like i said i i do get to see them as a judge and um been very impressed by that so any any parting words that you'd like for the listeners to remember when they're trying to be a fan or a performer of acapella bye (laughs) no not really i just hope like with any other art that it just keeps innovating and becoming, you know, staying fresh. If not, it's just going to kind of become a fad. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just people just have to, they have to look back, but they also have to look forward. And, and I, I see a lot of looking sideways in that it's like everything is kind of a little bit slightly different than it was last year. People just don't break out as much as they should, you know, and uh, like to see a bit more of that. But otherwise, it's been really healthy. And as I said, you know, around the world, it's, it's very different. Every, every region has different things. Some, some are more traditional. Some are, are way wacky. But um, they're usually somewhat unique and recognizable. And I find a lot here. You can just, I can just play 50 acapella tracks and would not be able to pick out who the artist is for one of them. You know, that's how I feel about it. But again, you know, that you can say the same thing for pop radio and you can look at the top 10, you know, of, uh, of the charts and, and, and get lost in that as well. I think it could just be our Americanness showing. Well, thank you so much, Bill, that everyone that was Bill Hare out of the Silicon Valley and the Bay Area in California. Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for listening to this week's The Pulse, only on Acaville Radio. Remember, Acaville Radio is your home for the best in acapella news, music, and video. Only at acaville.org.